1: Thing far greater. We are dealing with this thing called spiritual warfare, and I'm here to tell you, my brothers and sisters today, that the enemy of our souls is busy. Whenever he sees God doing some amazing things, whenever he sees more and more people running back to the church and being reconnected with God, the enemy is very, very busy, and oftentimes we forget that. We get so caught up in our day-to-day, everyday lives. We get so caught up in uh, who's running for this office and who's running for that office. We get so caught up in the physical cliff, which doesn't matter at the end of times, that we forget about the fact that the spiritual enemy is busy and he is coming to kill, steal, and destroy the only protection available to us. And that is through the power of God Almighty. Today, I want to remind you all that we fight a battle, a real battle every day. Sometimes our battles are, are, are big, they're, 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 they're huge, they're, they're obvious, but many times the real battle that we are fighting is internal and we don't see it because the enemy is using the, the things that are closest to us. He catches us when we're most vulnerable. He will attack your baby. He will attack your spouse. He will attack your family. He is busy, and today I want to talk to you all about, you know, during these times we all have questions, you know, and a lot of times it's during these times where many of us run away from faith, but the vast majority of us run closer to God. Even if you weren't a believer before, in the face of tragedy, you suddenly become a believer because you realize that human, man, no army in the world can stop the enemy from doing what he wants to do. When I say we're at spiritual warfare, we must understand this. When we are at spiritual warfare, that means we are at a war, and that war is against uh, the good and evil. And in war, let's be honest here, no matter if you're on the winning side or not, there are some casualties, and it's never good. Whenever you lose one soldier, it's, uh, it's horrific, it's terrible. You can't move past it. But that's a part of the war. Now, we understand that. Many people say, well, you know, God is such a big God. Why does he let bad things happen? I want to tell you something right now. God is not the author of evil. So we're not going to give that stuff to God. What I can tell you, though, we do serve a big God that can change that. He could have put a stop to that. But we serve a God that is free, that gives us liberty to make choices. Now, if, if you know, God could stop the choices that this young man or anybody who commits evil acts, he can stop that. But if he takes away their freedom of choice, he has to take away yours and mine as well. You understand what I'm saying? So, God is a God that gives us the opportunity, the freedom of choice to make decisions. And in this case, this young man made a horrible decision. Not when he just took these innocent little babies, not when he just took his mama, but when he took his own life like he had that kind of control. I feel horrible for the families today. This morning, uh, as you all know, today is my birthday. And this morning, my darling son, Junior, came to my office as I was praying and meditating and really going over this word and asking God to just really reveal the words he'd have me to use, and my son, Jared, do you have the the, the, the graphic ready? My son made this for me this morning. All the other kids made a card for me, but Junior says, no, Daddy, I got something special for you. If you don't know what that is, that's two pieces of toast sliced in half, and he made this, he did all that himself. Now, I'm, you know, I, I, I first thought he was trying to kill me with all the butter. But I know it came from a pure place in his heart. And as I looked at this, you can remove it, Jared, this delicious breakfast, four pieces of toast sliced, and he didn't just stack them on. You know, he made it culinary. He tried to make it beautiful. And I sat and I looked, and, and it was funny is right next to that, if you, you know, we don't have to go back to the image, but you'll see I have my computer up and I have my notes and as I was looking at my notes right next to this wonderful, delicious breakfast that my son made for me, I, I, I look at what I have printed out. And it's the list of names of all of the victims. And I look and I say, wow, my beautiful, darling son. See right there, but underneath the plate, there's scripture and stuff. It says, my beautiful, darling son, five years old, makes me breakfast. But there's a parent in Connecticut whose five- or six-year-old can't make them breakfast. There's a parent in Connecticut who has gifts up under their beautifully decorated Christmas tree with the name of Olivia on there, or the name of another child on that gift. But yet that child will not be in attendance this Christmas. And, 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 and I look at it and I say, why the babies? You know, we all, I mean, we can look all the time. There are adults that we think that have gone too soon. There are people that have died too soon. And, and we look and say, God, not them. Maybe such and such, but not them. And you think, you say, well, maybe, maybe, maybe this person deserved it, but, but not the babies. And, and it's like, God did not cosign this atrocity that happened. I want today to reveal to you, as we take communion later on here, I want to remind you of just the human and compassionate side of God. People say, well, well, where was God in all of this? And I want to remind you today, my brothers and sisters, God is where he was when his son was beaten and killed and hung upon that cross. He was weeping. God was where he was when someone close to you passed away. He was there weeping. God is a compassionate God. And this hurts God even more. And in this process of us trying to understand all of this, there are a lot of emotion we go through. My first thought was, I, 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 I hope that he is alive so I can kill him. I mean, let's be honest, because my first thought was, these are babies. Here we are, y'all. Let me, let me bring this home. Today we're sitting right now, this very minute, in an elementary school, much like Sandy Hook. We're sitting in this place right now, and, and just over there are our babies. I'm in this school two or three days a week doing something just because I want to be a presence. What I do know is that all of the adult victims were female. And I say, where were the men? Would that, would that have changed it? I, I don't know. And I don't want to get caught up in the what ifs or who should have been or what could have happened. I don't want to get caught up in, in, the, in the whole, you know, maybe this boy needed just a mentor or maybe his daddy. would No, he had all of that. A beautiful home in suburban Connecticut. Middle to upper class family. Yeah, his parents were separated, but they had money. They spent time with their children. But he was exposed to violence. It's something when your mama, just imagine, I'm just trying to think here. Ms. Stormer, can I use you this as an example today? You're beautiful, you're young and all that stuff. Stand up real quick. Just real quick. Come here. Let's just come on up here. Let me just put you in the spotlight for a second. Mm, mm, mm. Can y'all imagine this beautiful specimen of a a woman that God created with with like several semi-automatic weapons for no good reason? Can y'all imagine her going on the internet ordering a semi-automatic rifle? Look at, look at, look at. Do you see her even holding one? It would be almost big as her if not bigger. Could you see her holding? Now, now, I'm not saying that she don't pack. She might pack a little something, something. I mean, it's Miss Norma. I'm not stupid. She got something. But can you imagine her ordering an arsenal of weapons just because she's fascinated by semi-automatic weapons? You may have a seat, Miss Norma. What? That's the reality that this young man found himself in. A mama that loved semi-automatic weapons. A father that loves semi-automatic weapons. He was exposed, he and his brother, to violence a long time ago. One of their favorite hobbies was target shooting. Now, I don't know all the facts. I I don't know. They're still unpacking it. Every day, every hour, it's being unpacked. But, But if the sources are accurate right now, this young man had a mental disability. Why do you put firearms in the hands of a person that is diagnosed with mental disabilities? Now, again, this is hearsay. We're not calling this fact. But what I am saying is we can't say that's God's fault. There were some human things in line to set this young man up to make these very, very, very bad decisions. Let me go to some scripture here, and let's talk a little bit about spiritual warfare, the humanity of God, and then what we do next. Let's go to the book of Ephesians. I love the book of Ephesians. I love it. I'm going to tell you why in a minute. Let's go to the book of Ephesians. Let's go to chapter 6, and I want to read verses 11 through 13. Says this, and, and, and I don't have any notes for you today. God shifted this message, and and so I had to just flow with what God would say. But the scripture should be up there, Ephesians six eleven. If you don't have it, bring out a Bible, and I'll read it to you. Either way, if you have a mobile device, you can go to a U version there. Jared, what well, I don't even I didn't even tell Jared about this, so he may he may have it up there. He does, awesome. And we're gonna go verses 13, 11 through thirteen. Word of God says this, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood and enemies and Democrats and Republicans and blacks and whites and Hispanics and immigration and stuff like that, child sex trafficking. We're not fighting against that stuff. We're fighting against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. In other words, there are some folks, some dark spirits in heavenly places that are, that are, that are being kicked out, evicted, and they're sent here because they're jumping on the wrong side, the dark side. We're not fighting against the stuff that we read in the AJC and the Wall Street Journal and the Huffington Post. We're fighting against a force that is unseen. And the reason why I love this, and we'll get more into it in a minute here, the reason why I love the book of Ephesians is because this is one of those letters, one of Paul's favorite letters, where he was writing to a church that was actually doing very well. He wasn't like he wrote to the church in Corinthians, and he like when he wrote to Galatians. And, no, no, no. They didn't have issues in Ephesians. They were doing really good. Matter of fact, he spent a lot of time in in, in Ephesus. And he wrote this letter to them while he was in jail. Really, just saying, I'm proud of y'all. Keep doing what you're doing. This is awesome. But while you're doing it, because you're doing such a good job, I need to throw this in here this little tidbit. This is my final word. After he's patted them on the back and given them an attaboy, and you guys are doing so awesome, he says, Hold on, wait a minute. Before I close this letter, let me tell you something. Because you are doing so well, don't get distracted and don't be fooled. The devil that is that you don't even see. Y'all can, not the Pharisees or the Sadducees or all these other folks. No, they, they ain't nothing. They're punks compared to what's coming. Armor yourself with the Word of God because our battle is not against Pharisees and Sadducees and Democrats and Republicans and Libertarians and homosexuals and all of this stuff we think it is. No, it's deeper than that. Our battle is with an unseen force. That attacks the spirit, the soul. It distracts us and separates us from God. So Paul is saying to this church who is doing amazing things. Listen, y'all got it going on, but baby, let me tell you something. Because you got it going on, oh, it's some forces coming to get you. You need to strap up, put on the full armor, start from your feet on down and bring it all the way up. Cover your head, cover your chest, cover your arms, cover your legs, cover your feet, cover every part of your body because he's going to come at every angle he can and he's going to start with what's closest to you. And this is what's going on in this world. See, hedy, hedy, had hedy. Had he, watch this. We saw what happened uh, at, at Virginia Tech, and it's a thing of the past already. But when he comes at little innocent babies who could not in no way in the world offend anybody. I know you all go to restaurants and there are loud kids there, and you might want to just spank them on the butt, but you don't want to kill them. Huh? Or you see a kid running around the mall and ain't listening to their mom and daddy. You don't want to kill them. You just want to use your belt or offer your belt. Don't, don't, don't make that public because I don't want to get in no trouble. You understand what I'm saying? You don't want to kill them. There's nothing that Junior, Brooke, Riley, any little kid can do that would offend you to the point where you're going to walk in with an AK-47, two other guns, and unload all of your weapons, and then say, okay, it's done, pow. But the enemy, the spiritual enemy of our souls is like, I'll get them here. Where's your God now? Where's the one you pray to and call upon now? Where is he at now? He didn't stop this from happening. Matter of fact, it's his fault. And many of Christians, what we'll do is we will we'll run away from that. Many people, Christians, will say, "Oh man, how can a how can God allow babies? To, oh my God, he can't be real." And then those who are already disconnected, I already know some people in my mind that are sitting here questioning God. I knew God wasn't real. How would he let innocent babies get killed? And I take you back to the fact that we were at war. Grown people, children, babies, we're all, here's the thing, that's a fact, and I shared this with you last week. Our life is as short as the, the width of our hand. In essence, we are all going to die. And if anybody here knows exactly when that date is going to go, uh, raise your hand. Just tell me so I can go ahead and put that on my calendar to be there and do your eulogy. But the thing is, I don't know if I'll be here because I don't know my own time. None of us do. These babies certainly didn't. That principal, that psychologist, that teacher. Heck, I don't even know if homeboy knew it was his time. He didn't have that much control over his mind to determine if it was time. He didn't sit down and plan this out. He didn't have a script. He didn't have a blueprint. He just was mad at the world and decided, you know what? Thursday he tried to get into school for some weird, weird reason. Had a little altercation. I'm coming back and vengeance is mine. I'm going to put it on you. And lost his everlasting mind and life in the process. Armor. Armor. Yourselves armor yourselves. 13 says, Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy of the time of evil. Broderick, I hear this scripture all the time, but nobody has told me what the flip the armor is. Should I walk? Should I just like walk out the door with like an olive oil cross on my forehead? Should I should I should I go and get more Jesus? I love Jesus, prayer It's what what is this armor that you're speaking of, sir? That every other pastor in my life has talked about, sir. What the flip is the armor you're speaking of because nobody's told me what it is. They just said put it on. I'm here to tell y'all today, it's all of that plus some. It's covering yourself with prayer. It's literally, if you start your day before praying for somebody other than your doggone self, shame on you. And I'm not stepping, I hope I'm not stepping on anybody's toes. I was sharing with somebody the other day when I dropped junior off at school. It was a teacher here, as a matter of fact. I think, I don't remember. But every morning we get here. This is the carpool lane, and I'm there. And we have a system, you know. Hey, we're in the line. Go ahead, take your seatbelt off because we don't want to hold the line up. And we're there. And one day, remember how I was talking about margin? I was rushing. We didn't have enough margin. And literally, I'm, I'm like, all right, come on, Junior, hurry up, man. We got to get you out. And he was like, but Daddy, wait, 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 wait. Are we going to pray? And we pray every single day. And this day, I totally was rushing and forgot to pray. And so we pulled up here, and I would not release him. Well, let me fix that. He would not allow me to release him unless we prayed. So I just went through the line and just parked And we prayed right there. It was that important that I covered him in prayer with the armor of the Word of God, asking God to protect not just my baby boy, but bless the teacher and the assistant teacher. Bless every child in the room. And if a child has a bad day, God, please bless my son Junior with something smart and wonderful and something with compassion that would just change the day for this child. And it happens. He does it. Kids will be crying. I'll never forget. I came here to have lunch with Junior, and this one kid, he's like a a problem kid. I can't say his name because this is recorded, but he's my buddy. And he's like, he's not a bully. Uh, You know, when they're five years old, they don't understand bullying. They don't understand picking on. So he's a whiner, and he takes stuff. He doesn't share. And this boy was having a bad day. Everybody's parent was there, but his mom didn't show up. And she said she was, so he was just torn to pieces. And Junior said... It's okay, little boy's name. It's okay. But I'll ask my daddy if you can eat lunch with us. And so Junior says, Daddy, can he have lunch with us? Will you buy lunch for him? Too? I said, absolutely. That's my buddy. And 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 Junior did that, and we had lunch, and that was that. And then another day I came, that same little boy saw me, and he was acting up. We were walking and playing outside, and that little boy was acting up. And I walked over, and, I, and, and I'm walking with my son, and I asked Junior, I says, May I go and walk with this little boy because he's having a fit. He's walking around. Nobody wants to hold his hand because he's a, he's a troublemaker, if you will. And Junior says, that's okay. I'll just walk with over there with somebody else. And so I walk, and I'm holding this boy's hand, and we're like the best of buddies. The point is, it's putting that full armor on my son so that he can minister. I can't be in a classroom all the time so that he knows what to do. I've read and heard stories of little boys at Sandy Hook who did that, who had enough wherewithal, and you can tell that they were covered with armor to say, classmates, come on, come on. While everybody else is crying and running them up, a six year old is gathering his students, his, his classmates. He's six. Okay, if you wanna know what six looks like, that's Brooklyn and Jr. And he's saying, hey, gather up, get down, hide in this corner. He's helping the teacher. He was covered. When you're covered, you have the wherewithal in your mind to make the right decisions. When you're covered, you, you have the wherewithal in your mind to find the right sources for your help. When, when, when you're covered, you know who to call upon at your time of need. Covered. What? Okay, okay, I get that. So I guess that would be the helmet. Is that what you're saying, Broderick? Exactly. Well, what about this chest plate they talk about? What about the chest plate? What is the chest plate? It's the thing that protects your compassion. In other words, if you got this covered, you're thinking in the right mind, it helps with the compassion part of it. It helps you think wisely and react with compassion instead of fear, which is the arch enemy of compassion. And when your mind is right and, 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 and you got your, your helmet on and your chest plate is covering your heart so that you can have great compassion, it helps you to make the best decision so that you can now be the soldier to help the rest of the troops. You can now be the lieutenant, the captain. You can help them because you're covered with compassion. And you're not thinking about fear because you know who you serve. You know who's going to protect you. You know who's going to carry you through what everybody else is panicking about. Okay, okay, cool. Well, what about, what, about, what about protecting the feet? It says start with your feet, right? It says something about putting something covered, your feet and all that stuff. So, so tell me about that, man. Are there some special boots or a shield or something? Yes. Let's talk about that. My head is covered with my helmet through prayer and other people praying for me. It's not just you. Every morning, pray for somebody other than yourself. I dare you if you're not doing it already. Pray for your neighbor. Pray for kids you don't even know their names. That kid that you see running through the street all the time that gets on your nerve, cutting through your beautifully landscaped lawn. Pray for that kid. Pray for everybody. Helmet. Compassion. Reach out to people who, 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 who don't need it. People who didn't ask you for anything, but you see a need, meet it. Protect yourself with compassion. Keep a level head. And make sure everywhere you walk, everywhere you go, that you leave a trail that shows Jesus, your feet are so heavily planted in the Word of God, your feet are so heavily planted in in, in all that God has called us to do, your feet are so heavily planted in Healthy and and, and fertile soil that no matter where you step, you could step on the hardest of concrete, you could step on tile, you will leave a footprint, a mark, because your feet are heavily weighted with the anointing of God, because your head is protected and your armor is protected. Y'all know how much that stuff weighs? I read somewhere that stuff weighs like double your body weight in some instances, depending. It's like a couple hundred pounds. And these guys fight with this stuff. I've been watching. uh, Thank you, Sam. Uh, uh, Game of Thrones. I'm watching season one. I cannot wait to get home to finish off season one. But I was watching these cats, man. They had a battle. And they were, what is it called? Jousting? Jousting. And uh, one guy's on a horse, another one's on there. And here it is. They got all of this heavy armor on. He's protected from his head. He's got his neck protected, his chest, his arms. He's got these elbow things on. He's got all of this protected. The horse is even protected with armor, and he gets on there, and one comes this way, and the other one comes this way. They got these big old things, and they have to go as fast as they can, giddy-up, 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 and boom, try to knock the other person off. And so I was watching this one episode, right, and the guys on there, boom, they just, they just hit each other and nobody fell. He comes back the second time, and they come back, and the horses don't even get a break. They're covered, they're covered in the armor, they're running. And he comes, and remember, they're covered with all of this stuff. They're covered from the head, chest, all of this stuff. Somebody has to lose, right? How do you lose? Death or you get knocked off. In this instance, it was death. What I'm saying is, even though you're fully covered, That does not mean that the enemy won't find a little crack to get in. But if you are joined one with another and somebody else is covering you and you have some accountability and you are part of a loving community and y'all are soldiers together at arms. Oh, baby, it's a good thing. Because God says where two or three are joined in what? In his name, he is there." So here it is, this guy's on the, on the horse, the other one's on the horse, and he comes. And you could tell somebody's about to die because the scene changed, the music changed. They started looking at people in the audience, and it's crazy. So sure enough, the guy's covered. He's got the covering on his neck and everything, and the, and the other jobster finds a way to get right through and sticks the thing through his neck. And, and so he dies. Now when you're jobsting, there's no team. It's not a team sport, it's just one-on-one. But even when you're covered, it doesn't mean that something won't pierce it. They don't have a bulletproof vest now that is in, unpenetrable. That 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 where a bullet cannot go through. There's one, there's it'll go through in any case. It may not go completely through, but it'll go through enough to leave a bruise. And with the armor of God on us, that's the best we can hope for, is just a bruise. Just a bruise. But we have to learn to rely on God. What I want to tell you is this. We're going to sum it up here, and we're going to get out, and we're going to do communion. Is that it's promised to us that we will face trials, that there will be some suffering. I read Luke 13 today. I don't know why God sent me there. I didn't even understand it, and I read it, and it says this. It says uh, Luke 13, 1 through 5. You don't have to put it up. I'll just read it, Jared. It says this. About this time, Jesus was informed that Pilate had murdered some people from Galilee as they were offering sacrifices at the temple. And the question came up says, do you think those Gal- Galileans, this is Jesus, do you think those Galileans were worse sinners than all the other people from Galilee? That's what Jesus asked. Is that why they suffer? Not at all. And you will perish too unless you repent of your sins and turn to God. And what about the 18 people who died when the tower of Siliom fell on them? Were they the worst sinners in Jerusalem? No. And i tell you again that unless you repent, you will perish too. As I read this, I don't know why God sent me here. I just kept saying, why, wh- what is it about this? Why am I here? Why am I reading this? What are you saying? I had to read it several times. And I looked at the Scripture before. I looked at the end of Luke 12, and I was like, this doesn't have anything to do with this. And I looked after that and I was like, that doesn't have anything to do. Why are you pointing me to this scripture, God? And I just sat there and kept looking at it, kept looking at it. And I realized that there are no answers as to why some of these things happen in life. As a matter of fact, we won't know the answer until we get to heaven. I, don't, we, I can't answer it. I don't care how smart you are, how much of a scholar, psychologist, or whatever. There's no real definite answer. Everything is a guess or an opinion. Only the truth will be revealed when we get outside of this side of heaven. And when I read this, I said, this is what Jesus was saying. I don't know why Pilate killed these innocent people. That was a, a mass murder, by the way. Pilate killed a group of them praying for no good reason. I read and I tried to find, well, why did Pilate kill these folks? I read every single gospel. And this is the only gospel that talks about it. Well, why did he do it? Nobody can tell me. I googled it. Nobody can tell me. Why did—it was senseless. Mass murder because he was a governor. Now, scholars would guess and believe, and and, and their opinion is that these people rebelled. Pilate was, was that type of governor oh, you're going to rebel against our stuff and I'm going to kill you. That's what they say may have happened. Or, 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 or this tower that fell on these people for no good reason, just fell and killed all these people. In other words, stuff happened back then that even Jesus had to say, I don't know. But I tell you what, get right with God. Because if it happens to you, you want to make sure you're right with God. If by chance something This atrocious happens near you, anywhere near you, where you know somebody, a kid. Perhaps you knew a friend of mine actually knows a parent whose child perished there. When I saw that, that made it real to me. Because as I look at these pictures and read the names of these kids, I said, I don't know any of them. I just know I have kids that age, and it bothers me. Then I see my boy, one of my closest friends, business partner, bandmate, post on Facebook the name of one of the parents that happens to be also a friend of his that just moved up there for a job like last year whose child parents. I said, whoa, I know him, and if he knows them, then I know them. And it's different now. This means war. And it's time for us to suit up. Let me tell you a quick story, and then we're going to pray, and we're going to be on our way with some communion. As you all know, my heart is for the next generation. My heart bleeds for the teachers and parents and children in the city of Mableton. I'm desperate for them. I bust my butt throughout this week. I go to every single school that I can in this district, starting mentoring programs because they don't currently exist here. You're talking about a city with a high school dropout rate of 58%. You're talking about a city where in high school you have 20 year olds that are sophomores because they don't have enough credit to finish school. And principals are saying to me, we cannot tell them legally to drop out, but can you give them some direction, tell them there are options, get a GED, go to the service, do a a trade or something, Just get them out of our hair. And in the sixth grade level where my son is, I have eight kids that I'm working with, me and the counselor there. And I had my very first meeting with them. There's a young boy in that classroom. We're sitting in a circle. I'm asking everybody questions, just some some icebreakers. And this little boy, the counselor warned me, He said, there's one kid, man. I could not even get him to say his name eventually he told us his name and he talked a little bit. This kid was there. We're sitting in a circle and I'm asking kids what they want to be, what their names are, all of this stuff, just trying to get to know them. I'm telling them about me. We're laughing, having a good time. I get to this young man who's sitting right there on my left. He wouldn't talk. I was sharing with Jared, I says he was so quiet and so unapproachable that I thought he was mute. If that's not a derogatory term, I if it is, I apologize. And, and the young men, the other kids were speaking for him. Oh, he don't talk. And another kid said, no, he talks, but he, he doesn't talk. He just yells. When he talks, he's like mad. He's angry. And I'm trying to get to this kid. And I'm like, hey, buddy, you know, what's your name? How you doing? What, what do you like to do? And somebody told me his name. I said, let him talk. And the counselor says, let him be. We'll talk afterward. I says, okay. And afterward, the counselor told me, he says, it's amazing because just last week I got a report. They asked me to come in and talk to him. I says, why? He not talk. He's not talking. He says, man, the thing is, when he does talk, he goes from zero to 10. He's lashing out. He's disruptive. He's very violent. But he's a loner. He's socially awkward. When I read the paper this morning, when they were talking about, this young man adam who committed such a crime he reminded me of this young man matter of fact his psychologist said if you ask a friend to speak about him it would be very difficult to find one because he didn't have any but when he did speak it was he was he would go right to 10 he was never happy he was just He wasn't a bully. He wasn't even bullied because he didn't talk. Nobody would pick on him. He was not only emotionally broken, but they said he couldn't even feel real pain. He had this unique disease or disorder even in his skin where he can't feel pain the way we can. So much so the shop teacher Ask some, 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 some parents and others to come in and say, how can I teach this kid safety if he has this disorder? Where, like, for instance, if he cuts his finger, he won't know he cut his finger because he cannot feel pain. This is what this kid experienced. And I'm saying to myself, that's a, what we call a sign. Get that boy a mentor. Get him some friends. And so I look at this young man to my left. And I, I immediately begin to think about this kid. And I says, I'm desperate for him. I'm desperate for him. He don't even have to tell me what's going on at home. I cannot wait to see him this week and just say, hey, let's be friends. I like to play checkers. You like to play checkers. I like DSI. Whatever I can do, and I'm desperate to sit down and talk with Chakai and say, what's cool with the kid your age now? Hit me so I can be hip because I want to be this kid's friend because I know that if I can reach him and break through that barrier he has up, that wall that's guarding his heart, that I know for a fact that that's one kid that we won't see on the news. I can't guarantee he'll finish high school or go to college. I can't guarantee that he'll be a model citizen. But I do know this. I know that we will bring him out of this social awkward phase that he currently finds himself in. We are at war. Every single person in here needs to be desperate for that kid like I am or a kid. I went to a meeting, and and we're talking about these statistics, and I stood up, the only brother in the room, the only young male in the room, and I says, not on my watch, baby. I said it just like that. I don't care how animated they thought I was or how inarticulate they may have thought I was. I stood up and said, not on my watch, baby, and I meant every word of it. And if I can just save the eight kids that I'm working with from sixth grade whom I'll work with all the way, as long as they stay in this district, through high school, and then work with the 15 kids at the high school level, and then work with the six or so kids that I work with here. Let's see, y'all do the math. That's a lot of kids that could change just the, 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 their, their future with one person, one hour a week. One hour. Not on my watch, baby. We are at war, and I'm going to do my part as a soldier to prevent any more fatalities. Amen? Here's the good news. Jesus says this. This is Jesus saying it in the Beatitudes. He says this, Matthew 5, 4. God blesses those who mourn for what? They will be comforted. Jesus wept. God is full of compassion. He wept when his son died. And God promises to comfort us. That is a, that is evidence in how he comforted Mary when her baby died. When she watched her son die a brutal death, God comforted her. Amen. Let us pray. And in our prayers today, I want to do something a little bit different. I'm going to call out the names of each and every child, every victim, including... Uh, the uh, convicted's mother, whom he murdered. Eternal God, right now, this is probably one of the most difficult things for me to do. Because as I look over this list that is before my eyes, and I see the ages and the birth dates and the names, I don't see just names, I see little, beautiful, smiling faces that were just a couple away a couple weeks away from celebrating your son's birthday and in an instant for no reason at all we're called home i know god how you feel about children so i am confident and i that's the one thing that gives me comfort is that they're playing with you you're playing tag with them right now or hopscotch You're smiling and you're pointing them, showing them how beautiful it is in heaven. You're even showing them how you're going to comfort their mom and dad and their siblings that are left here on this side of heaven. But, oh, God, if you would send us your comfort as well. We don't personally know these children or the victims, but, God, we know this, that you've called us your children and we have compassion in our hearts for them. So comfort us as we try to unpack and understand all of this mess that's going on in this dark world we live in. God, I understand that even on this same day, on the other side of the globe, in China, a man walked into a school with a knife, stabbing 22 children, the same day, Friday. And although those children were spared, oh God, they'll forever wear a wound where... A fool walked in to do something stupid to these harmless, innocent children. We live in a dark time, and God, right now, we need you more than ever. We are desperate for your protection. We are desperate for your comfort. We are desperate for your compassion. Send it right now in the name of Jesus. And God, if you would sprinkle an abundance of compassion for the Bacon family, the parents and the siblings of Charlotte Bacon, and send your compassion to the family of Daniel Barden and Rachel Devino and Olivia Ingle and Josephine Gay and Anna M. Marquez Green and, and Dylan Hockley and Dawn Hawksprung and Madeline Sue and Catherine Hubbard. Chase Kowalski and Jesse Lewis, James Marioli, Grace McDonald, Anne Marie Murphy, Emil Parker. Jack Pinto, Noah Posner, Carolyn Praviti, Jessica Ricos, Aviel Richmond, Lauren Rousseau, Mary Sherlock, Victoria Soto, Benjamin Wheeler, Allison Wyatt, and Nancy Lanza. Open your doors for them, God. If you would, prepare a feast for them. Let them be with your son today. But most importantly, comfort us here on earth, for we need it right now. In Jesus' name, amen.